August 19th in the year 2020. I'm Kearney at WPTF Radio on a uh, Wednesday night, and it's live and in real-time radio, and uh, we're going to be talking about the weather tonight with uh, a guy comes and visits us usually about once a month. And, in fact, we have an anniversary tonight, I believe. Nick, are you there? I'm here, Tom. Good. Nick uh, Petro, who is uh, morning preparedness. I always say this wrong, Nick. Say say the correct your correct title. Um, it's actually it's actually warning coordination meteorologist. That's a lot to say. <laughs> it used to be preparedness, and they changed it. I think is what happened. Yeah, something like that. But in any event, it was just about uh, nine years ago, somewhere around here, the latter part of August in the year uh, 2011, that I think Hurricane Irene cruised up the. Uh, North Carolina coast ultimately doing doing some heavy work in uh, New Jersey, if I remember correctly. And uh, the new guy in Nick's place was Nick, and he was here. And uh, ever since then, just about every time I invite him to come on, if, however quiet the weather may seem at the point that I invite him, it gets more interesting. And indeed, since we talked or emailed each other last week or two weeks ago or whatever it was, Nick, it has gotten more interesting. So. We're going to be talking about the weather tonight, one of the things that WPTF has been doing the longest and trying to keep uh, a population that was, uh, in, in the early days, particularly uh, rural, but uh, farmers needed to know what was going on. But uh, they've moved to town now, but it still rains and snows on everyone, and so we want to keep everybody uh, yeah, up to snuff with what's going on. Nick, uh, I thought I'd ask you tonight to just talk for a moment about what the state of the weather is right now and how things are in in our in our home place here. Well, uh, Tom, unfortunately, um, the the wet pattern that um, we've had really uh, for really the whole summer so far looks like it's gonna it's gonna continue. Um, no, you know not. Not, it seems to me like, like for example, right now, um, there's just some very widely scattered showers and thunderstorms on the radar right now affecting uh, central North Carolina. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a, a storm cell there just uh, northeast of Raleigh, um, so that's going to put down some, some locally heavy rain. So if we have folks listening you know, up uh, near uh, you know, uh, the Nightdale area, for instance, or up near Wake Forest, there's some brief heavy downpours, and there's some uh, heavier rain down near the South Carolina state line. Now, you know, that kind of pattern is the pattern that we've been in for a big part of the summer, where there's these little batches of rain here and there. It ain't raining everywhere. It's not a washout every day. But nearly every day, there's been something around. And when you add it all up over the course of, of the season, it's been an incredibly wet season, wet summer. In fact, um, uh, as of um, as of this late this afternoon at uh, Raleigh Durham International Airport, uh, well, heck, we received an inch of rain already just uh, 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 just just today at uh, at RDU over an inch of rain. Um, so you know, for the month we're we're about three and a half inches above normal for rainfall in, in August. We're about two inches above normal uh, for rainfall for the summer starting June first, and for the year we're uh, we're over six inches, almost six and a half inches above normal for rainfall 
um, you know, as of uh, January 1st at RDU. So, you know, so that, that's been a concern of ours is, you know, it's been pretty wet. And, and unfortunately, you know, looking at the weather pattern, uh, you know, we're in, a, we're in a pattern right now where uh, we've got uh, high pressure, and it's a seasonal high pressure. It's not a, nothing unusual, but we call it the Bermuda High. That's, that's set up, of course, over the western Atlantic, kind of anchored in the vicinity of Bermuda. And we've got a big trough uh, over the middle of the country, uh, more like the uh, Mississippi and Ohio Valley. And, and we're kind of caught in between those. And oftentimes that means uh, weather. You know, when you're in between two weather systems, uh, oftentimes the end result is, is precipitation. So uh, so that's going to be the case um, really, um, you know, right through, unfortunately, the, the, the foreseeable future. Now, there could be a break, you know, maybe early next week there might be a break in, in this sort of, uh, you know, off and on rain pattern. But, uh, but, but I think uh, when, when we look at the... Uh, from the Climate Prediction Center, the 6- to 10-day outlook shows above normal precipitation. The 8- to 14-day outlook shows above normal precipitation. The 3- to 4-week outlook shows above normal precipitation, as does the 1- and 3-month outlook. Every, all the indicators uh, show uh, this wet pattern we're in uh, will continue right through at, at least the foreseeable future and, and much of the summer. Well, I can't, but uh, I am sure this has portents of dumping uh, a lot of water into the rivers, creeks, and so on. But the thing that I automatically think of, being a native of this area and having been here in 19, I think it was 1996, when Fran prayed a visit, uh, you and I remember that a lot of trees went down, and the explanation of so many trees going down was that the, the ground around the roots was so soggy and everything that everything was loose, and when the, the wind of the hurricane came through, it... Uh, well, it took care of a lot of trees like that. And so uh, if we're going to have a hurricane, I don't want to have it right now, is I guess what I'm going to say. And, and you know what? The, um, you know, one, of our, one of our core partners, the USGS, um, they uh, have a bunch of uh, river sites, uh, uh, reporting sites along streams and creeks where they monitor uh, stream flow. And, um, and the USGS is reporting um, that nearly all sites in, in our area are, are uh, at or above the normal stream flow for the past 30 days. And that's somewhat uncommon for August. So, in other words, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of water in the stream. And a lot of water, you know, um, you know a lot of water basically in the ground. Um, and, and just, I'm, I'm looking at a map right now of 28-day average stream flow. And everything is, uh, is is running, you know, a little bit above where it should be. So, so the bottom line is, uh, in, in groundwater, for instance, uh, groundwater is um, is is in in what we call the um, in what we call the um, the North Carolina Division of Water Resources uh, uh, maintains uh, this uh, statistic. But basically, it shows that uh, uh, groundwater is is wet is what we what's considered wet uh, above normal. Uh, so. Uh, may, may so in I other testify? words, the last testify? thing you need right now is... I'm sorry? I was saying, may I testify? Not as a meteorologist, <laughs> but as a citizen. You, many years, most years probably, and my memory is that we were sitting here at this time of year waiting for the uh, for the, the, the storm to come and, and, and bring it into the drought. Uh, and uh, the drought doesn't exist this year. It's that we're already wet. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I guess kind of my point to all this is that the last thing we need is a slow-moving, heavy downpour tropical storm or hurricane. You know, that's the last thing we need right now is a is a is a heavy rain-making hurricane or or tropical storm because uh, you know <laughs> everything's all primed up and, and and ready to go. The streams are running pretty uh, pretty active and pretty full of water. Now, you know, I don't mean to be in a, I don't, I don't want to be an alarmist either. You know what I mean? I don't, uh, I don't want folks to certainly, uh, you know, I mean, there's so much in our world we have to worry about in terms of all the other things going on with COVID and, and, and whatnot. So I don't want to want folks to get panicked, but just know that we need to make sure that our, our plans are, are up to date for how we're going to manage and deal with, uh, the next hurricane that's going to affect us because, because whenever, there's a tropical storm or hurricane that moves into the Carolinas. We need to think water. Sometimes folks put too much attention on that category. The category only only uh, talks about what wind can do. We need to be thinking about water and, and flooding. That's, that's what a hurricane does here in the Carolinas, produces flooding, whether it's storm surge at the coast or, or, or flood waters inland. And, and, and I just want folks to know that, you know, um, you know, especially if you live near a place that flooded last time, um, last time with Florence, you know, with Matthew, with even with Floyd, if you if you've lived here, uh, uh, you know, uh, back in the late '90s, you know, you need to be thinking if you, if you were affected by one of those, you need to be, you know, make sure you have your plans for where you're going to go to seek uh, shelter uh, with the approach of of the next hurricane. Um, so. So certainly, um, you know, if you're new to the area and you don't know whether you live in a flood-prone area, ask your neighbors. Ask your neighbors and, they, and ask they, them, you know, where did it flood the you know, last time a hurricane moved through? If they've been there for a while, they will know. We need to stop for a moment, Nick, and we're going we're gonna to change uh, change the record here. And if, if, if it's all right, well, I'd like to go through a walk of the western part of the United States, so, you know, or passing observation on what is going on in California, and then you promised me we could talk about what happened in Iowa. Is that okay? Oh, let's do that. Okay. Nick Petro, the National Weather Service, NOAA's National Weather Service, he usually visits us about once a month, and I thought it was time again because the, the hurricane season, the stepping up of the hurricane season, is just around the corner, and during the second part of the program tonight, we'll talk about some prospects that are already out there. We'll be back with Nick in just a couple of minutes. 921 at uh, WPTF, the Tom Kearney Show, live and in real time. We're here every night, Monday through Friday, from 9 until 10. And uh, tomorrow night, we may do a nostalgia program, but I think we're going to talk about uh, the future of the movie theater, the one that you go down and buy your ticket and go inside and sit down on your seat. We talked a little bit about this one night earlier, and some changes have come about and everything, so my, my brother Stephen's going to be with us tomorrow night. But another favorite of ours, uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service, is here tonight. And I, I hope I haven't blindsided him a little bit. But uh, the, there's interesting weather all over the United States. And thought during the second half, we would end up in talking about our region and the hurricanes and possible storms like that. But uh, listening to the news that went by at the top of the hour, they were talking about the strange weather in California. And then I know last week... Uh, and I think it's called a derosha or something like that 
and uh, Iowa almost got blown off the map, I think. So, Nick, you want to talk about either one of those? Oh, I'd love to talk about Which one you want to talk about first? Well, about, about California. Well, it's really hot out there now and, and, and dry. Uh, I was in, in, in uh, San Francisco once, I think, in September or October. Apparently it's one, there's a day, like October 15th, when it starts raining. But before that, it's usually very dry. And this is, you know, like in Sonoma, you know, in Napa Valley and all that kind of stuff. And that's where a lot of this burning that's going on right now is. And, and it's caused by lightning, apparently. Well, yeah, so, so you know, interesting uh, how the pattern is, you know, when one place is abnormally hot, another part of the, the, the world is abnormally cool. Where one place is abnormally wet, usually another part is abnormally dry. Um, so... We've been in a pattern this summer where, where there's been a large area of high pressure, a massive ridge, as, as we call it, um, out west. And, and the, the ridge has promoted this hot, excessively hot and dry conditions out west. Meanwhile, downstream of that ridge is a trough. And essentially, the trough that's uh, been aligned just to our west has been... Uh, basically sending up a feed of moisture. You know, it's been so particularly humid across our area and, and, and wet, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's the way it shapes up when, when one half of the country is, is wet and, and humid and moist and cold. Usually the other half is, is dry and hot and, and you know, just, just terribly, terribly hot, and that's been the case out, out uh, west. Certainly, um, you know, there's places out west, obviously, in the desert southwest that are, um, that, you know, seasonally, this is the time, uh, you know, when you're going to have your temperatures up into the 100 and teens, and, and that's almost, you know, pretty normal. But, but even in, in Arizona, where, you know, typically you have uh, average daytime highs above 100, even there right now there's excessive heat warnings. You know, even in a place where you would think uh, they'd be used to the heat, uh, the National Weather Service out in that part of the country has issued excessive heat warnings. And if you go to weather.gov and you look at the map uh, of the entire country, the whole southwest U.S., California, big chunk of Nevada, a large portion of Arizona is just painted in the uh, sort of a deep pink uh, shade, and that represents excessive heat warnings that are issued. Now, of course, when it's hot and dry, um, that promotes, um, you know, oftentimes we see forest fire activity, uh, which are sometimes sparked by uh, what we call dry lightning. And that's when you have thunderstorms that, that develop. But yet it's so dry that when the rain falls out of the cloud, it dries up before uh, hitting the ground. And, uh, but the lightning still makes it to the ground. And uh, oftentimes that can uh, ignite forest fires and brush fires. Uh, out west, uh, we you know we, we call it. But in fact, we have a, a product that we put out for uh, increased risk for dry lightning. So uh, so that's one thing uh, that the folks, uh, my colleagues out at the National Weather Service in the western part of the country, are monitoring for these dry thunderstorms uh, because of the dry lightning conditions that can support these fires. What about this new word that I learned last week, derosha or something? Uh, long range. Yeah, uh, yeah. Straight line derosha. Yeah, it, it it almost looks it almost looks like when when you look at it on paper, it looks like it's called dur echo. 
you okay. know, but, but it's actually, um, it's actually um, deratio, and uh, it derives from a Spanish word that can be interpreted as straight ahead or direct. And, um, and deratios, uh, by definition, um, are a family of particularly damaging downburst winds and downburst clusters uh, caused by a very large uh, thunderstorm complex. And, and typically, uh, what happens with deratios is that the damage, for it to be considered a deratio, the damage must be either continuous or intermittent over a swath of at least 400 miles long and a width of approximately 60 miles or more. So if you think about that, 400 miles of continuous damage, uh, I mean, that, that, that is just mind-boggling that, to think that, you know, in 60 miles wide. But that's exactly what happened uh, on the 10th of, of August. Um, and and you, you, you so uh, uh, perfectly and clearly pointed out um, the damage uh, that was done over the uh, plains in Iowa. Um, in fact, uh, that duration on the 10th of August, it started out uh, basically um, basically just uh, west up in the uh, south, uh, I'm sorry, northeast Nebraska, uh, carried into uh, Iowa and then northern uh, uh, in Illinois and Indiana and kind of uh, sort of wrapped up in western Ohio. You know, that duration had a path of 700 and 70 miles long, 770 miles long, and it produced wind damage all along that path. I mean, it was just really remarkable. I just uh, I remember uh, encountering one that I think took place along roughly the eastern part of what you just described because I remember it went into Indiana. And, and, I, and I had, you know, I was a pretty old guy, but then I never heard that word. I think you said it's Spanish origin, but... Uh, you, you, we've talked a lot about straight line winds as opposed to tornadic winds and everything. So I, I thought that would be an interesting topic for us to, to engage. Yeah, with absolutely. absolutely. And, and uh, um, interestingly, um, if you if you uh, visit the uh, if you do a search for National Weather Service Des Moines, Iowa, and you go to their webpage, they have a really interesting write up about it um, on their news headlines, and uh, it's a, it's, that's the Des Moines, Iowa National Weather Service office. Uh, they've got a really nice uh, table of, of some of the highest wind gusts and uh, some really neat video. Um, but what I found even more amazing, um, they, they feature a, uh, a satellite image uh, that you can actually see from space a swath of the crop damage. Um, and, and it's just uh, unbelievable how uh, the deratio, as it moved across Iowa, you know, caused this massive swath of of crop damage, it can actually be seen from space. I mean, um, and the, 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 the amount of power outages, too, was just uh, unbelievable. So uh, intermittent winds of 100-plus miles per hour, I mean, um, you know, we kind of were at the tail end of one of those in, in 2012, um, but, uh, but we didn't get the full brunt of it. It's pretty rare that the deratios extend all the way down to Carolina. Huh. I'm going to call time on you now, but one night we'll have to come back and talk about the really strange wind things that happen around the eastern slope of uh, the Rocky Mountains. Right now we need to talk about what's going on in the world of news, and then we'll come back. I'll remind you again tomorrow night, I think we're going to talk about uh, the economics of the brick-and-mortar theater.
and uh, the movie industry with regard to that. We we introduced that subject about a month ago, and we're going to come back to it now that some of our agreements have been made. My brother Stephen is interested in things like that and can bring us up to date on that. That's tomorrow night, and Friday night will be trivia night. Joe Newberry, uh, musician extraordinaire, is going to be our guest next Monday night. So if you like uh, bluegrass country music, you'll want to tune in for that. Our guest tonight is Nick Petro of NOAA's National Weather Service. Uh, he's stationed at the, uh, the station at uh, the Centennial Campus of NC State University, and we're talking about uh, the current state of the weather. You know, Nick, uh, I, I guess in my mind uh, the hurricane season officially begins, I believe, uh, on June June 1st, but uh, sometimes we have tropical storms before that, sometimes hurricanes, but uh, what always is fixates me now is Andrew in 1991 or 92, which uh, came came alive in uh, August 23rd, I think, and we were just about to August 23rd, and it's one of the storms that, it had to be reclassified, but it's a class, it's, as I remember, it's a class five storm now, a real big hurricane, so uh, talk about where we are with regard to the hurricane season. Yeah, so, um, so we're basically, um, we're running quite a bit above, uh, ahead of normal. So, you know, so far we've had uh, 12, 12 named storms, and uh, we've had um, Arthur, Bertha, Cristobal, Dolly, Edward, Faye, Gonzala, Hannah, Isaias, uh, Josephine, Kyle, and a Tropical Depression 10. So that's 12 systems. Um, 11 of them were named. And on average, we typically, in a typical hurricane season, um, we would generally see about 12 named storms. We've had 12 systems, 11 of them got, got named. Um, but basically, we've had a whole season's worth of storms, uh, name systems, already. <laughs> so we are way, way ahead of normal. In fact, remember, uh, the hurricane season got going on the 16th of May, so we got an early start. Uh, Arthur and Bertha were, uh, were May storms, so we really got going uh, early, and, uh, and it just kept going through, through June. We had, uh, you know, two systems in June. We had, uh, you know, uh, six systems in, in July and two so far in August. So um, a whole season's worth, uh, and we haven't even hit the peak of the season. The peak of the season... Uh, we are, are just now approaching, you know, the sort of the busiest part of the season that runs uh, from late August through September and basically through the first three weeks of, of, uh, of October. You know, traditionally, September 10th is the known as the peak day of the season, the, the day that there's most likely to be a, a tropical cyclone out in the Atlantic Basin. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, those... Seasonal forecast that came out in May from NOAA, you know, predicting an above-normal active season. Sure enough, those have come to pass, and we haven't even hit the peak of the season yet. Just just getting warmed up, and that means people really need to be alert. Uh, um, I looked at uh, the the map uh, on the, your website and everything, and uh, uh, there are apparently a couple of uh, areas that might become areas of interest uh, that are lurking out there now, and one and a third one as far away as the the coast of West Africa, where 
the uh, I, I think they call them the Cape Verde hurricanes began their jaunt across the uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And one of the things you have, if you live in this part of the world and and you you get used to this, is how long it takes those hurricanes to make that 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 journey. But uh, you want to take a look at the ones that are out there now and tell us what you think is going to happen. Yeah. So. Um... So the National Hurricane Center is looking at that one in the Central Caribbean. Um, they're indicating that it's be gradually becoming better organized, and a tropical depression is likely to form in the next uh, a couple of days when it reaches the northwestern uh, Caribbean. Um, they're they're showing that um, you know they're thinking about eighty percent likelihood that that will uh, form into a uh, uh, at least a uh, depression where you know um, where where the winds have not reached. Uh, 39 miles per hour. If the it, but they but it has a circulation. If it has a circulation, it's of tropical origin. But yet, it the winds have not reached 39, and that that's that's what we classify as a depression. But but if it's a you know if it's a closed circulation, it's a closed low, tropical origin has winds of 39 or higher. That that's basically when the you know when we we name it a, a tropical uh, tropical storm, and of course you know hurricane begins at seventy four miles per hour. Anyway, that's the first one. The second one uh, up the bat is uh, is one basically right in the middle of the uh, of the Atlantic basin. Um, so uh, so that system is uh, about eight hundred and fifty miles east of the Windward Islands, and um, the Hurricane Center uh, says that. Um, that they're giving it about a 90% likelihood that that will uh, form into a tropical system. And then, as you pointed out, there's uh, one that's just moved uh, off the west coast of Africa. And that one has uh, at least 40% chance of forming in the next five days. But you're right. You know, those, those systems that are in the Caribbean uh, this time of year, those generally are the storms that, you know, um, at least when they're already in the Central Caribbean and still moving west, those are the ones that are a greater threat for the Gulf of Mexico region. It's the ones out in the Atlantic uh, that we always, you know, pay close attention to because uh, as they travel across the Atlantic, uh, obviously in, in August, September, uh, and even into October, there's plenty of warm water to help fuel those, those uh, systems and, and allow them to strengthen. But at the same time, um, those are the systems that oftentimes get drawn into and wrapped around the Bermuda High. And those uh, quite frequently are the ones that sort of, you know, recurve, if you will, uh, off the southeast coast, sometimes onto the southeast coast. So, so, so it's those ones, those Cape Verde storms, as we call them, uh, you so correctly pointed out, pointed out as Cape Verde storms, uh, those are the ones we really keep an eye on. But as you pointed out, the good news is those things take a long time to uh, cross the Atlantic, so we got plenty of time to keep our eyes on them. Well, one of the things I like to do every day, and, and, and I'm just about to testify here, is to click on. Uh, I have one one of my settings, you know, my memory settings to to the forecast for for my area. But if you go down, you know, if you scroll down a little bit, it says hurricanes, and I can click on it, and it'll show me where the the latest. Uh, statement from the National Weather Service that's coming. Usually there's one at 5 a.m. and I think another at 8 a.m. in the morning to, to get you going. Uh, and well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great resource. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, you can go to hurricanes.gov and that'll take you right to the National Hurricane Center 
Um, the, the National Hurricane Center is great. They, you know, they're they're located in Miami. They they basically are the experts at uh, you know basically predicting the where and the how strong the storms will how strong the storms will be and where they're going. And then um, and then the local National Weather Service offices uh, take over from there in terms of what does that mean in terms of local impact uh, to our area. If if of course the tropical cyclone were to ever hit us. So uh, yeah, so the Hurricane Center provides the track and uh, and the strength of the storm, and uh, and then we kind of take over and and translate that into what kind of impacts that we'll see here at the local area. Well, one of these is going to eventually, I guess, that we could use the term tip its hand, you know, because they say the situation looks like to me that the, the two that are one in in the Gulf of Mexico might end up. Uh, Either going into to the Yucatan or maybe curving northward and going back uh, into the United States, or and the one that's way out there has that ability to to follow up the eastern coast and and go just to the west. I guess I'm I'm practicing meteorology without a license now, by the way. Uh, <laughs> okay, you're doing really good at it. <laughs> west, well, I've been listening to you and uh, and. Uh, uh, other the other meteorologists who've been here for the last 25 years picked up a little bit of the lingo. I don't know if, if it's actually true, but, uh, but we we do have the prospect if the predictions are true of any number of storms. So what people really need to do is to begin to become aware, and if there's any getting ready to be done, uh, the, the the hurricane. I, I cannot say the the title of the one that began with an I, but it. It did skirt our coast and gave people a chance to to uh, make sure that they had everything in place. I think I think it was a good kind of like a trial run. Yeah, yeah, uh, east to east. Uh, yes, it took a long time for me to be able to figure out how to say that one. But uh, but but you know the interesting thing with east to east was that we uh, we got about two to four inches of rain. Unfortunately, well, fortunate. Let me let me restate that. I'm tripping over my own words here. Fortunately, it was uh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, the winds uh, were slightly underperformed uh, what we were predicting, but that's okay uh, by about ten miles per hour or so. Um, but but uh, certainly, um, you know, there were, there was still some scattered uh, power outages and wind damage. But you know what was interesting is how uh, we got about two to four inches of rain across a large portion of the uh, I ninety five corridor. Uh, you know, about fifty miles either side of I ninety five. But only two to four inches of rain produced, uh, you know, in some cases, moderate flooding on the Noose River, for example. Um, so so that that's just one more example of how sensitive and how water-laden the, 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 the region is right now with uh, all the rain we've had. Um, that, you know, even, you know, two to four inches of rain from a fairly fast-moving hurricane, or, or, yeah, hurricane tropical storm, uh, really, even still, uh, resulted in some uh, uh, minor, if not uh, low end, moderate flooding. So, uh, so again, just one more reason why we have to, uh, uh, you know, pay special attention. And of course, uh, you know, the uh, the system that's out there in the Atlantic, uh, there's, you know, there's some some models. You know, the, if you look hard enough, you'll find a model that that shows anything you're looking for. But, but, uh, but, but I'm seeing a lot of similarities. In, in some of the track models, um, uh, you know, compared to track, the, the, the track that Ethaeus took, you know, initially, uh, when Ethaeus was in the, in the, 
uh, you know, approaching the, the island, you know, a lot of the models had uh, east to east going through the Florida Straits and, you know, out into the Gulf of Mexico and then recurving. Uh, and then over time, you know, east to east then recurved east to Florida and came up right into the Carolinas. Well, you know, um, guess what that system out in the middle uh, of the Atlantic is, is many of the track models are doing. They're taking it just north of Puerto Rico and, and across the southern Bahamas and, and through the Florida Straits uh, and, and into the eastern Gulf of Mexico. looks very similar, in other words, to, uh, to attract the East to East book. So, you know, again, just one more reason that we have to really be uh, pay attention, close attention to the forecast, and always have that hurricane plan prepared and ready to implement. Let's come back and talk just a little bit about that and wrap the show up, but we need to take a little break right now. Thank you, Nick. Nick Petro of the National Weather Service is our guest tonight, and we're talking about the weather. Tom Kearney here in the Tom Kearney Show for Wednesday night. Uh, I think it's August the 19th. Uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service is with us. Nick, are you there? Yes, sir. Earlier in the show, and, and I think we talked a little bit before the show was on, and I think I've got this right, and if I, it isn't, you fine-tune it for me, but one of the things that that uh, you you and your folks are interested in reminding us of is how wet everything is now and the possibility for flooding, and and that if, if flooding is not taking place, it, uh, since the water doesn't have a lot of places to go, it, it increases the likelihood of... Uh, Flash flooding and so on. Am I not right about that? We've got just about three or four minutes left, and I thought maybe you might want to come back to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, the you know, in collaboration with our, our uh, core partners there at the USGS, uh, we looked at some of the gauge information, which uh, shows that uh, streams are, are running a little bit more active, a little bit higher uh, water levels, a little bit higher flow. In other words, there's more water moving through the streams um, than there typically is in August. You know, August is, is oftentimes a dry month until tropical cyclones come and, 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 and bring us water. But, um, but, um, but certainly we've had plenty of rain in August so far. We've had lots of rain this summer. So streams are running high, and, and the last thing we, we really need right now is a hurricane uh, to, to dump you know, a lot of rain over us. But, you know, we're heading into the peak of the hurricane season. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not making a prediction that we are going to get dumped on, but, you know, it's hard for us to avoid uh, tropical storms and hurricanes, especially in the peak of the season. So that's why it's especially important for folks, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, to, to uh, the, one of the first steps in hurricane preparedness is determining your risk. And if you live in a flood-prone area, um, you know, obviously you've got to make sure you have appropriate plans for how you're going to stay safe uh, if, uh, if we do get into a hurricane situation with, you know, that could produce a lot of flooding. If you're new to the area, find out if you live in a flood-prone area. Ask your neighbors. But basically, that's one of the first steps is determining your risk. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, we're, we're primed for, uh, for certainly for, for flooding uh, should we have any slow-moving rain move across our area. Uh, we've got about two minutes left. Uh, one of the things that, that I would like for you to do is to talk about the excess, you know, uh, uh, to information, uh, I mentioned earlier that your website is there, and you can find the uh, uh, hordes of information from looking at it. But there are all kinds of apps and so on and 
things and places where people can go. And a lot of our listeners, as you and I both know, are maybe this may be their first hurricane season, so they'll want to know where to go and to get information and, and to be alert to, to, to the news that a hurricane may be approaching so that they can, can uh, find out what they need to do to either leave or, or not leave and those kinds of things. And a lot of that has changed this year, too. Well, one of the first steps, one of the first places I could recommend is our own web webpage uh, from the National Weather Service. It's weather.gov. And if you want to tack on Raleigh at the end of that website, weather.gov slash Raleigh, that'll take you to a more localized uh, version of the National Weather Service webpage. And, and we have a, uh, if you scroll down, you can click on the uh, hurricane, um, the tropical storm and hurricane link. Um, it's in a big kind of square block. And there is tons of information on there about uh, what is currently out there, you know, whether we have any um, warnings in effect, what the rivers are doing, what the radar looks like, what satellite looks like. But if you scroll all the way over to the right side, there's a tab called preparedness. And there's all kinds of preparedness information, uh, resources you can use to help, you know, um, strengthen your home, develop an evacuation plan, uh, assemble disaster supplies. Um, determining your risk. There's all kinds of information. Those are some of the key things that you want to do uh, to prepare for the hurricane season and finally put it all in a written plan. So uh, weather.gov slash Raleigh, scroll down, click the hurricane, and then you'll see um, you'll see a link there for prepared. Well, we're going to stop now, and I'm going to let you sign off and uh, maybe get a little rest. I, I do want you to know that we talked to some people from your uh, your weather station the other night. We usually call on them if we need an update around the 9 o'clock hour when this show comes on the air. And they've always provided us really good service and give us, given us the, the message right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So uh, you you be aware and thank all of them for us and so on. Nick, uh, we're going to need to uh -huh. go now. But I, I will be talking to you off the air, uh, not tonight necessarily, but a little bit later. But thanks for being with us tonight. All right, Tom. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. Nick Petro of the National Weather Service, our voice of information. We're going to talk about uh, theaters and movies and things like that tomorrow night on the Tom Kearney Show. <laughs>